Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me Jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. Very oh, nice yeah. background. <laughs> we always enjoying time, right? Life is just yeah. too short. Sure. Okay. So yes. So thank you very much, audience. Jared is the guest today, and he's actually currently the chief data scientist for DSS, which stands for Direct Sourcing Solution. He has about seventeen years of experience on encoding, statistics, data science, and machine learning models. And IBM SPSS statistics and data trainer for three years. And has trained at least 3,000 professionals. That's yeah. a big number. I'm not even close there, by the way. I've employed multiple machine learning models with various Fortune 500 companies, with some models running live and earning money for the companies for six years plus. Previously, he has worked right. in Rakuten, Nielsen, Starhub, Samsung. That's please, right. Please. Yeah. Please, thank you so much. As well, we have also multiple government agency and military science projects. Wow, this one's. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, he <laughs> set up three data science departments from ground zero, which means starts from scratch, and design 14 data science innovations that are making money. One of the innovation co- causes or uh, enable a previous company to be valued at 13.4 million US dollars. Yes, so, that's right. Yeah. Cool. Before I begin asking you about this backstory, let me show you the audience, like how I even met you. I think we got connected on LinkedIn. That's right. LinkedIn. And then I saw a post that you said something. Let me show you the post so that we can... It's about how to become a data scientist, right? Chief data scientist, not data scientist, but chief data scientist. Yeah. Is it? Okay, let me show you the post. I think, uh, yeah, it was, I think it's about that. I think it was like, this is what you say. You say oh, that, yeah, it's this yes, one. You end up going out of jobs. That's what a relative told me when she heard I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you say that this is because professionals like doctors, lawyers, engineers, architects, accountants are portrayed as professionals driving big cars and living in big houses on local drama. These are great professions, but I want to do something different. Yeah. So I end up as the second batch of statisticians back in NUS, which is, stands for National University of Singapore, long time ago. And you could like, to my great disappointment, searching jobs on jobs portal, return nothing, dot, dot, dot. Typing in statistics gives you a blank <laughs> screen, ta-da. And then you tell, you know, laugh out loud. I really <laughs> thought I will be out of jobs. I end up in credit scorecard company and even went to trainer opportunity eventually, which I thought it will be a training cashier counter staff at supermarket. <laughs> huh? But that was actually IBM 
which stands for International Business Machine, uh, SPSS training opportunity. I still yeah. thought back then this is just an honest job where no one will pursue. No yeah. one will like to look at the p-value. Uh, no one will become a statistician or bother to look at data fast forward many years later. Now you look at the, this year now, it's about 2022. My bet on statistics was the right choice. Amen. Yeah. Great. Of course, to avoid going out of jobs, I'm still learning every day. So far across the last two years, I picked up four additional software. Of course, I will continue to learn and join this profession. And because yes. of this post, it really caught my eye. And not just me, some of my podcast audience dropped me a LinkedIn and email and say, hey, you know, this Joe guy is on your LinkedIn profile. Do you talk to him? He posts these things. That was said one by one of the fresh graduate dudes. Right? Mm -hmm. You invite him to your podcast and get him to share the backstory because he said that he's doing a bachelor of analytics, uh, I think at yeah. one of the local universities. Yes, so Gerald, please uh, share with me like uh, your backstory. How do you become a data scientist from the day you finish school, when you finish NUS? Yes. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. And thank you so much, listener, for wanting to know more about how my journey is. So basically, I end up with a statistics degree is because in junior college, the statistics paper, <laughs> that time, my junior college teacher was actually walking around and asking, Gerald, why, why aren't you doing correction, right? So mm -hmm. I was saying, I got full marks. So yeah, I got full marks. And then that's when I was thinking, can I do something with numbers to help business out there? Using numbers to actually tell what's actually going wrong inside the business and then help them accordingly. And that actually sparks me to go into statistics. And statistics is a love and hate choice because the love is it's, it's mysterious. It's, it's great. Everyone don't know what's that at that time because it is actually, I think, somewhere around the AI winter. Somewhere around there, right? And then the love is mysterious. The hit is when you actually go on job portal, you actually enter statistics, it actually returns nothing. <laughs> it's a very brave attempt to actually go and do this course when there is actually a local view that those professions that are successful are supposed to be doctor, lawyers, accountant, architect, engineers. Even to today, some of the younger people actually still think that NUS only offer this few choices of career. <laughs> so nothing about the profession. These professions are great. I almost went into law, actually. My English at the time was actually quite good in JC. I did consider law, but then I, I, the GP right general paper, I'd actually score a B3. It's still okay, not A+. plus. Yeah. So still, maybe the entry is still able to go into law. But I was thinking, I, I can't, my memory is bad. So I can't remember all the law. <laughs> all the, I can't remember the thick book of all the law things in Singapore. So I was thinking, so what else can I actually do? And I was actually looking at back in school days, I would write one formula and then I would actually derive the rest of the other formulas on the spot during the exam. So I was thinking, okay, maybe mathematics, I don't need to actually do that much memory work. I just need to be logically sound. If I can make a coffee in the morning, then maybe I can actually do mathematics, you see. 
take a coffee, put coffee inside hot water and then add sugar. Uh, if I can do that, then maybe I can actually be a statistician. So statistician is a very interesting job. And when I actually went into the credit scorecard company, it's not a local company. It was actually an American that actually interviewed me. And then the owner is actually a UK citizen. So it's a very interesting setup. Then the IBM one SPSS was actually a very interesting one. That is the headhunter didn't say much. So he just said train people. So the only thing that I can think of is actually, okay, is to actually train aunties at NTUC to actually count cash. So might as well, since I can't find any jobs, I go, trust me, I go around banging walls, a lot of headhunters, and then they just say, this is the first time I heard someone using numbers to help business. No, that's actually that, that those things. And they say, it doesn't seem to people. And then headhunters were joking around, say that no, statistics to help business. I only heard of IT to help business. If you don't know IT, how you help business with numbers, it's actually the thing that it get me to today when I actually take the courage to go IBM to actually take the job. IBM interview was very interesting. So because the credit scorecard company actually forced me to remember not just actually find codes online. We don't have, I don't think we have Google back then. So at that time was YouTube. No, no, sorry, YouTube, sorry. Don't have Google, but it's Yahoo. Sorry, not YouTube, Yahoo. And then people don't have active coding forums like these days. So SPSS, we were actually literally asked to remember the codes. Yeah. Rewind bit, you say that you decided to do statistics or mathematics because you were aware that, or you think that your memory was so good. So yes. when, I'm just curious. So that moment when you joined the American credit score company and they say, hey, Gerald, you got to memorize this. How was you responding? What were you thinking about then? Uh, my thinking is, okay, that sounds bad. <laughs> 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 uh, then I have to actually force myself to remember the code. Frag, if, F, R, E, do if, any, if, do repeat and repeat. I actually just really had to select Eve and all those things I could actually remember from scratch. And thankfully for SPSS statistics, one thing is that if I can't remember the code, I just need to click, drag and drop and then paste it. I have the command there, right? Oh, yeah. so I hope this won't trigger some other software people to suddenly just message me later. We feel that, I just feel that some of the software out there, if they can have click, drag and drop and then paste the command in, it will actually help a lot of new data science out there because then they will have no pressure on remembering the code, right? DF dot something dot yes. value underscore count bracket dot reset underscore index <laughs> bracket. That is actually showing some sort of like a count value of that variable inside a data frame. If we can remove that and then allow them to actually look at the output and focus on it, it will help them to so understand what is actually chi-square, understand what is doing independence and the t-test, how to use yeah. it, linear regression, logistic regression, what is actually the key output that you need to understand, what is Holtzman dimensional, if I pronounce it properly, and adjusted R-square, things like that. They need to understand those. I totally align with you on this school yeah. of thought is that yeah. if the product or the that enable data science or machine learning is to be easy on the code, low code or no code, drag yeah. and drop, then yeah. to really focus on memory, then people are more interested in the math, the intuition behind the code, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, come back, coming back, if I remember correctly, 
correct me if I'm wrong, it's like I remember SPSS is also one of those new drag and drop or new click here and click there kind of yeah. software. Yeah. So why that time they wanted you to memorize stuff? Yeah, because you see, initially I was thinking, why do why did that UK boss wants me to remember the code? Is because then I re- I slowly realized that if I click drag and drop, I can actually get, for example, open file. Yes. Uh, it's just click drag and drop. But then if I actually do the coding, I can get file and then that file directory and then the file name. I can do a sub command slash keep certain variables slash rename or slash drop. This is this some of the commands allows you to do something additional which the click drag and drop actually don't allow you to do. Uh, so it opens up the software to become even more powerful. Do to repeat, do repeat and repeat is actually some sort of like a looping code which allows you to actually pairwise do command calculation for two sets of variable. So two two sets of variable v1 to v10 and then h1 to h10. You want to actually do some compute pairwise. V1 assigned to H1 or V2 assigned to H2. Then do repeat and repeat actually helps a lot. But then this is something which the click, drag and drop, as far as I can remember, it doesn't actually have that functionality yet. So it's almost, am I going to say, it's almost like they don't have those, everybody, most people use Microsoft Excel, right? Those Microsoft Excel, you have this record macro that you, after you click a few things, then it records the Visual Basic script on the back end. Then people just edit. So they don't have that sort of macro recording. Click and then adjust the code. Can I say that? I mean, so basically what happened in the SPSS itself, statistics, SPSS statistics is allows that kind of setup of remembering code. And that's where picking up other codes like the coding modeler, the coding in authorities, even the coding in Python, it's actually easier to remember. I mean, it, it's second to nature because I've been typing this for 17 years. And then to actually learn new by command is actually becoming much more easier. It is an IT manager back then in IBM SPSS did actually told me this. You learn one code, you learn many code. This You just need to actually take care of the grammar. So he's actually quite right about that. <laughs> is it because syntax or the structure of coding? I think almost once you're in English, Spain, it's easy to pick up. Like, is yeah. it something like that? Something like that. So basically what happened is that Let's actually say do if any if is actually in SPSS, but then if elif is actually in a Python. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it serves as the same functionality. It's based on a certain condition, you execute a certain action, right? So then because of that, I learned in SPSS, it's easier for me to actually get up in Python and things like that. And I was actually using SAS as well in R a long time ago, but I don't claim expert in SAS and R. I just actually just stick with SPSS for many years. Why I stick with one software is because I'm focusing a lot on picking up how to solve problem in a very unique manner. So there are a lot of experts out there and their focus is actually not on tools. Their focus is how to solve business objective. And that focus alone is very powerful because they share a lot of very unique thoughts about that. And this is actually what I can say that based on the LinkedIn posts that we see daily, most of them are just actually looking at which software is better, how do we execute this code. You yes. see, it, it actually takes away the very important thing, which is how to solve the business objective. I don't see much of this discussion on LinkedIn. I'm not sure about you, but I don't see about... So we have this problem. 
And then this is actually the unique way that we solve it. That is, we actually collect survey and then we do a model of it and then we score back to the entire database, something like that. We don't I, actually see that kind of thing. I think I'm aligned with you on the general view that I got the sense that there's two schools out there. One school is the majority one that we always see on LinkedIn. Anybody that's a data scientist will write all this, for example, this clustering algorithm, or, and they will spell yeah. the aware and the, they use Python, they will put out the Python code or R code. And it's always along the, what does this algo do? And mm. we need that thing. But they don't, yeah, but the other school of thought is they will look at, okay, what's the, like you said, what's the business problem? Is this solving problem that increase revenue, reduce cost, reduce risk? And then you backtrack to whatever that function is. And then yeah. picking out, like you say, picking out that specific statistical technique to yeah. deploy, test, and visualize it. Like there's yeah. two schools, though, right? One is the, I'm just focusing on the algorithm focus. The other one is I'm focusing on the business focus, right? Yeah. And then picking out that tools that you are familiar with because you are, like, for example, you're an expert in SPSS because it allows you to focus more on the business and then picking out the right specific subset of solution to the business problem. That's right. Yeah. So what is the interesting thing that when you pick that with you throughout that career in that three business setup that you did, for different companies and for clients. How does that help you? And how does it help the client in a sense? Setting up department is a different monster altogether. So, <laughs> so basically what I can say is that data scientists actually might go through a few phase. I, I will want to say software and tools are important. So this is actually where you start off first. You will learn the software inside out. You learn how the tech stack actually works. This is fine, right? then this is actually a journey to become some sort of like a data analyst. And you actually do some simple report and hopefully survey as well. Because as you progress into a data scientist, you don't know how to write a proper questionnaire, then it's really funny. But then, of course, it also depends on what kind of data science you are. Because when you actually move on to data science, as I actually had tell people a lot of times, that is, there are five schools of data science. We might eventually classify it like that. We might. Okay, depend on the industry. So numeric science, there's tech science, there's image science, there's video science, and there's vocal science. There's only one person that I've seen so far that has actually deployed practical usage of all these five data science, which is Andrew Ng. If you remember the big that, brain, big China. Processor, right? is that yes, he, he sent up the Xiaotu or something like that. It's actually a robot that represents the company to win competition against the contestants who are super genius. So he actually deployed numeric science, tech science, video science, vocal science, and image science inside the robot. Yes, it's actually, his robot is actually doing very well. So then as a data analyst to actually proceed to become a data scientist, then you have to actually think, oh, you can actually become a hybrid. You can become someone who specializes in numeric and text or text and video. It depends, right? But ultimately, you have to actually think of a usage for them. So then you will slowly also think about, so what domain you want to, what industry you want to actually focus on. You can't be focused on everything. You yeah. just actually pick something that you like. That is, you might actually be someone who is into banking or maybe insurance or me military science. I do military science. Okay, there are actually a few industries that I focus on. I focus on retail e-commerce, uh, banking, insurance, Mobile, yeah, mobile phone, yeah. Another one is telco and military science. So around like seven plus. Yeah, okay. so seven-ish like that. 
So my focus is always B2C. And then I will always look at big data to actually look at it. So then when you journey into a data scientist, you will actually start to actually know how does the tech stack function altogether, right? Because you have collaborated with the different IT departments inside the different school of thoughts, cloud engineer, data engineer, things like that. So you have actually done that. Then you have to actually ask yourself, do you want to actually go front end or you want to actually remain back end, right? You mean the data science front end, data science back end. What does that mean? Yeah. So is... back end data scientist is someone who actually code make models and then and then do analysis. And, but then a front end data scientist actually is different. It's he is someone who will represent the data science department to present to investors, network, and maybe say even to sell to businessmen, attend business meeting, understand from businessmen point of view, what is actually an objective that want to solve. And maybe say if they, he can on the spot create blueprint that is, oh, this is a blueprint that we, we might actually offer to actually solve your business problem. So for example, I had actually met with Camis last time, he say, I want to grow my vegetable well, right? So this is actually a, not a statistical question. I want to grow a vegetable is not a statistical question. So I asked him, I say that, okay, you want to grow your vegetable? Fine. Can I know how many methods you have to grow your vegetable? He said, three methods, right? Then I asked him, can I know if you have aging days, years, that kind of thing? Yeah, I have aging days. Then I, was, I told him on the spot, I said that, so these three methods are independent of each other? Yeah, independent of each other. Okay, fine. I was telling him ANOVA, HOV, homogeneity of variance. And then we'll actually test that whether it's significant or not. If then we'll actually move on to overall average, then we actually look at post hoc, then maybe say look at LSD or games well, but depends on the different situation of the post hoc. He was saying, Jerry, what are you talking about? He's a chemist. So I was like, well, ah. this is statistics. <laughs> yes, I, I said, don't you. worry. Give me your data. I will teach you in the class itself. So that was actually IBM SPSS. Okay, now, now I get a clear understanding of what you mean by front-end and back-end data science. Yes. Okay, because I think in my world, I see it as differently. I see it as those that, like your back-end, is very technical data scientists. And those on the front, I call them business savvy data science or client-friendly data science because client-friendly they need to speak to the business but they need to translate the two languages that means business language translate back to data science then translate forward back to the data the business guys <laughs> to the business guys it's almost like a data, data business translator and yeah. then the back end guys the technical data scientists are more okay so this uh this client-friendly data scientists talk to me in the data science lingo saying what are the different methods is this a computer vision problem? Is this a, like you say, a, a tax problem? Is this a, a linear regression problem? Yeah. So then he will think of, okay, maybe what is the algorithm I need to deploy? Then he communicate back. Oh, can I do this method or cannot do this method? Then the, the business friendly data scientist will go back to, like you say, the farmer. I think we can use camera to solve your problem. Yeah. Or, or I think we can use, if you give me water and this internet of device, we can solve this problem. Yeah. So, yeah, something like that. I'll continue. You were training in SS and then that. How do you go from training? What's after that? What's after training SPS statistics? Continue. Training that because I happened to train a bunch of professionals and then I happened to train the owner. So the then the owner said, Would you like to come to my company to to do data analytics? I said, why not? 
Because mm-hmm. I met up with a client who actually told me this. He said that Jared, now you're a trainer. If ten years later you're still a trainer, then you're a failure. <laughs> why, why, why does he say that? Yeah, I was asking him why. Then he said, "What you train now is actually a theory. Won't you want to see your practical usage be used? Do you want to try out your theory in practical usage? That will be more fun, right?" Then I said, well, "That's actually." True. Eh? So now I'm just training people on how to actually execute. Why not? I actually go to the front end, the business problem side, to actually try to execute what I think that I train people is supposed to be useful. That's actually a very amazing part. With I step out of SPSS and then I go on to join my client company, and then that client company was actually very interesting. When I was actually on that, in the interview that day, I was actually interviewing for a junior role. So he say, Jared, if you join today. I will promote you now. I will double your pay. <laughs> Alright, he, he said that. Okay, first is he said that in-house role. That means in-house role. So if you join today, software. yeah, if you join today, I will in, I'll, in, I'll promote you now and I will double your pay. So okay, why not? <laughs> so I just don't. He promote you now on the spot and then yes. he double your during, pay on the spot. During interview, yes, during interview. So, so, so actually, in, 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 did it happen? It happened. <laughs> so then I joined them and then I joined them and. I was leading a team of slightly a junior session. I was actually coding in the company, and I was actually teaching them coding SPSS. And then I was actually teaching them statistics and all this because during that time, yes. it is still SAS and SPSS. Python and R is still is there, but then it's not as user. It's not like so widely used now yes. as of now. And, but coming back to that time, client that brings you on board, mm-hmm. is it a, a military defense science company or is it some? Fortune 500 companies or what kind of companies? No, it's just a research house. Oh, so, research house. Okay. Yeah. So this is actually something which a site advised to some young data scientists as well. Yes. Do not actually go straight to become a data scientist. Be a data scientist first because this allows you to have that that area for you to that that small space for you to learn quietly. Because once you become a data scientist, everyone starts to look for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you cannot learn in peace. You might actually end up in pieces. <laughs> we come from different perspective and different linear dots. So, yeah. what's the difference between a data analyst and a data scientist? So, data analyst to me is actually someone who is actually managing the pipeline. Like he, he must know how to execute the extract the data, mm-hmm. clean the data. And it's some sort of like the starting of the pipeline ETL basically. So then know how to actually transform it and then into clean data and then load it into a report. Right? Then present as a storytelling manner to actually executive to tell them what is actually the insights of their data itself. Then this is actually where the data analyst, if he actually has passed this, he will actually start look at things like feature engineering, feature selection. And then they will actually look at not because statistics is like that. The univariate, there's bivariate and there's multivariate, right? So they will actually start not to just look at univariate is one variable, but bivariate is two variable, which is two business factors. Multivariate is look at multiple factors together, business factors. So then you will journey from the transition of an analyst to data scientist. You look at multiple business factors together. Okay, then so you're saying that the difference between a data analyst and a data scientist is one is looking at single factor and one is looking at multiple factors. Bivariate and reporting. Ah, okay. And so then data scientist is someone who is able to deploy machine learning model and all that. This is just a personal opinion. Yeah, I know. There, there could be actually some 
opinions out there of companies that actually require a junior person to actually straight go on to become a junior data scientist and start from there, deploy models and all those. But I just feel that it's actually less stressful if you start to look at univariate and bivariate first. I think I agree with you on yeah. that part that it's less stressful to look at univariate or bivariate. But I think yeah. the difference is that my view is, I'm also different as my past experience and my current experience, yeah. is a data analyst is looking at very small data sets yeah. and doing very simple what is happening, data description, data visualization, reporting. And anything is more complex than that. That means that anything that is asked about what will happen to the future, what if I change this, what if I change that, how That's it right. look like, That's right. those like predictive modeling, those that to test causality, those that the classic everybody like to use this A-B testing hypothesis. Those I think is more like a data scientist because he needs to think yeah. of different algorithm, test it, and even using huge data sets. Yeah. You know? So this is correct. Because you see why we start with small data as well. It's because for someone who have no experience in data, at least when if it's a small data, you run a command if elif, python, yes. and all those, you can easily see how the command actually works out. Right, yes. you can easily see as well that is uh, how does actually the number actually works out on some simple statistics like chi square to independence of the t test, ANOVA, and things like that, or MANOVA and COVA and things like that. But then, if you jump straight into big data, then good luck to you. Number one is you will actually gain <laughs> attention to everyone in the uh, company. Oh, he's a data scientist, and then everyone starts to actually look for you. You won't have time to self-taught and say why is it like that why is my command actually not behaving well is my command having some or oh, i always say the command show error is actually a if the command don't show error then that's it <laughs> because it runs into logical error you don't pick it up then that's it for your machine learning model i like the way that you think about it i think it's always better to learn from failure failure actually teaches about success right you yeah know, because you want to know hey, what's going on right yeah. now coming back so you, so that role that they he bring you on was from data analyst, immediately promote you to be a senior data scientist. Senior data analyst. It was actually. a research. What's the generalized business topic that you guys were solving or researching for the client or the end user? Yeah, basically it's related to the government sector. So it's always about collecting survey and trying to actually understand about what the respondents feel about the events that the government actually set out. I was actually involved in Pongo 21 project. Uh, and Pongo 21 project was supposed to be under HTB. And yes, HTB, and I went to HTB to present to the CEO. So interestingly, and that project was actually presenting to director. It goes to managing director. It goes to finally the CEO. And then the CEO decided to say, okay, let's actually bring it to the steering committee, which means it involved various government sectors to actually, which is NEA and other sectors, to actually just align with what the respondents want on the Pongo 21 project. What are they looking for in the campaigns and things like that? So you can imagine the impact of a data analyst is not just actually something that you think that is small. It can actually go all the way up until like that. Another project that I was involved in, I, if I can remember wrongly, I'm not the direct person who is who started the entire thing. But after the project was near end, I, I took over a bit and I was actually cleaning up things a bit. And I was actually the one that 
my boss actually said, hey, look, I think I need you to present to Prime Minister Lee Hsien Long. So he said that if his flight is late and then no one goes, then I will be the one going. Then I said, okay, fine, I'll go. Then he asked me that time, do you want any analyst to follow you? I said, no, it's fine, I'll go alone. <laughs> but Anna, the directors actually, um, that one is People's Association. So they are directors that actually present to Lee Sin Long themselves. So we just oh, actually pass the report. So it, it will be it will be quite a fun experience to present to Prime Minister Lee. <laughs> uh, this kind of like high profile people. How does it feel? Is this is that the first time that you present to a C suite guy or high profile stakeholders? You know? Because I I did train people from C suite last time in IBM ah. spaces. So I'm some sort of like numb to it really. <laughs> I see them every day. <laughs> or maybe they are directors or managing director every day. So when I was training a managing director last time in a certain company, I was showing her decision tree. Then I said, I say, if this person is a female and then she earns this much, she's actually likely to be a high spender, things like that, right? Yes. So she said, Jared, I can actually use multiple cross step to come up with the same conclusion as you, right? And then without my decision tree, you won't be able to know that this is the profile. Number one. Number two is, if you have 2,000 over factors, good luck to you to use the bivariate permutation to come up with the same thing as me. <laughs> 2,000 factors. Then he must need a lot of data set, right? A, a lot of trial and error of, yeah. oh, it should be gender, we spending, gender, we where, stay, and north, south, east, west. And, and then after that, when she heard that is, oh, I have the 2,000 business factors, then I have to actually come up with a different permutation. Then I can come up with the same decision tree profile as Jared. She said, okay, say no more. Then she said, what, no? Tomorrow, I'm going to actually bring my entire team here. So I actually received <laughs> two teams of people coming to be trained under me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting, yeah? That means like you have very sharp students that yeah. test you, yeah. test your age of your knowledge. Yeah. Oh, this is skillful. This is a skill that is interesting. That is because I'm being tested consistently in class, right? Yes. I was actually being... I have I, I train up this very sharp thinking whereby I can, like on the spot, actually come up with a response <laughs> to the person like that. So on the spot, I can actually tell you, oh, it should not be done this way. It should be done this way. It, maybe things like that would be better. And do some recommendation. That So I do encourage young statisticians or data scientists to try some training, not too difficult one. If yes. you want to assist those newbies, why not? But then... Make just make sure that you are training the right thing. Don't the guide that the blind guide the blind. Then you know, <laughs> you are training the wrong things, and then that will actually cause a mayhem. Yeah. Well, was that class of uh, advanced students, or it was like introductory class, and you met with very sharp students? Oh, that was actually advanced class, actually. Ah, okay, that was yeah. sorry experience, yeah. but it's definitely true. Uh, the tips for the French question. So, so. Then another thing is that I did actually manage to train to to present not to Prime Minister Lee, but I present to a Lee family members. So I did actually present a statistical model to a Lee family person, and then that one was helping the company to actually find out why volunteers don't want to actually volunteer at all. 
how do we attract more volunteers? Hi guys, thanks for listening to part one of Jar. In part two of the episode, Jar shares his digital and data transformation case on helping the government with volunteers acquisition strategy for non-profit organizations. He also shares a project that makes money at the expense of others' privacy. At the same time, he shared a successful data transformation story of how a digital marketing campaign is done in a country of unrest. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later, and see you soon. Thank you.